Climate change is our biggest problem. This podcast lays out some of the smartest fixes for climate change. My name is Matt, and this is Climate Solutions. Today, the road to utopia. Close your eyes and imagine a city without traffic jams. Cars honking and screeching, that's all gone. Vehicles hum along softly. You take a deep breath. The burnt chemical smell in the air has been replaced by the sweet scent of fresh earth. Your child's persistent cough has quieted and your eyes no longer sting. We have a lot to gain in the fight against carbon emissions and other nuisances in our lives that are caused by urban transport. Cities have not always been the healthiest places to live, but that's changing. Good sanitation, regulation of industries, and better vehicle standards have already improved city life remarkably. But more can be done. I'm going to stop the Climate Solutions bus so that you can climb on board. I'm going to take you on a ride by electric bus through a series of stops on the road to urban transport utopia. And along the way, we're going to see how changes in the way we get around town can make a massive contribution to the fight against climate change. First, you need a ticket, so subscribe to the entire series of Climate Solutions from the European Investment Bank, the EU Climate Bank. Learn what you should do to fight climate change in the oceans, on the road, in your home, and on your digital devices. All aboard! One benefit we'll get from the transition to electric vehicles is an end to tailpipe emissions. An electric vehicle is not only cleaner than an internal combustion vehicle, it's also more efficient. Electric vehicles consume one-third of the energy of traditional cars. The number of electric cars is growing exponentially. In 2018, the number of electric vehicles on the road surged to 5.1 million, up 2 million from 2017. Most of those electric vehicles, 45% of them, were in China, with the European Union making up 24% and the United States 22%. That's according to the International Energy Agency. Of course, electric vehicles still represent only a small fraction of the more than 1 billion cars on the road. Some European countries are changing that. Norway is one of the most successful countries in adopting electric vehicles. In 2019, for the first time ever, fully electric vehicles accounted for the majority of new car sales. Europe has also made progress addressing the other part of the electric puzzle, the charging infrastructure. The number of charging stations in the European Union surged from a mere 3,800 in 2011 to more than 150,000 by the end of 2019. The rollout is being fueled by projects like NLX Mobility, which plans to install 14,000 charging stations in Italy by 2022, and the European Investment Bank is supporting that project with a 115 million euro loan. Electric vehicles still face many challenges. For one, the cost of batteries have to come down for electric cars to be as affordable as conventional cars. Progress on this is encouraging. Electric car prices have fallen 85% from 2010 to 2018. Another challenge is transforming vehicle manufacturing and transport infrastructure, both public and private. That transformation will require massive investment. 
Through the middle of 2018, carmakers had already announced more than $300 billion in investments, and those investments will eventually pay for themselves through savings on fuel and maintenance. The benefits start to outweigh the investment costs by 2025 in the United States and by 2028 in Germany. So does electric work for all transport? Well, no, e-mobility doesn't work for everything yet, and maybe it never will. Electric batteries are still too heavy to carry all the energy needed to run long-haul trucks, planes, or sea transport like long-haul cargo ships. The problem is that big vehicles like trucks, planes, and ships need to store on board all the energy needed for the whole trip, while electric vehicles use energy more efficiently than internal combustion cars, up to three times as efficient, they're not very good at storing it. To illustrate that, one liter of gasoline has an energy density of 9,500 watt-hours per liter. The electric battery of a Renault Zoe car holds almost 35 times less energy. That's 275 watt-hours per liter. The difference in energy density is a challenge for passenger cars, but it's an even bigger obstacle for trucks, planes, and ships. Researchers and developers are working hard to come up with new solutions to make batteries capable of storing more energy and charging faster, but we'll probably also need other solutions such as sustainable biofuels and synthetic fuels like hydrogen. We talked about emissions. Remember, electric cars still produce emissions. They just aren't emissions at the car's tailpipe. They're further back, where the electricity is generated. In Europe, emissions from electricity production have fallen steadily from over 500 grams of carbon per kilowatt hour in 1990 to less than 300 grams of carbon per kilowatt hour in 2016. That decline means that electric cars produce less emissions per kilometer driven than conventional cars throughout the European Union. The manufacturing of electric vehicles is also a source of emissions. Making an electric car requires more energy than a conventional combustion engine car. To tackle that problem, the European Investment Bank is financing Sweden's Northvolt, which makes electric batteries more efficiently. What about air quality? Transport's most important air pollutants are particles released by vehicles and nitrogen oxide. Electric vehicles do not burn fuel, and so they do not emit nitrogen dioxide or particles from the tailpipe. Even if all cars were electric, we would still have accidents and we'd still have congestion. Road safety in the European Union has improved greatly in recent decades. EU roads are the safest in the world. The number of deaths and injuries is still far too high. Technology may help here. The rapid progress made in technologies such as machine learning, real-time data transfer, and artificial intelligence is transforming the automotive industry. These technological improvements have enabled the development of connected automated vehicles. The deployment of these vehicles, putting them into use, may be as revolutionary as the switch from horses to cars. A future of fully autonomous vehicles is highly uncertain because adoption depends on a number of factors such as public acceptance, liability concerns, and legislative constraints. Safety is one of the benefits often cited since more than 90% of all accidents are caused by human error. But there are some drawbacks. With automated cars, the cost of time lost to traffic decreases. You can do something else because you won't have to actually drive the car. Meaning some people might be willing to spend more time in a car and that could make 
traffic worse. In 2016, London drivers spent more than 73 peak hours in traffic jams. I made a few calculations. In 73 hours, I could drive from London to Cairo in Egypt, take a tour of the pyramids, have a nap, and get ready to drive back. Or I could just sit in traffic jams in London. In Moscow, drivers spend 91 hours in traffic. In that time, they could drive to Malaga in Spain, eat some great tapas, watch British people getting burned to the shade of a lobster by the sun, drive back to Moscow, and still have a few hours left over. Los Angeles tops the standstill traffic list at 104 hours. I have a friend in Los Angeles, Tom, who lives in Santa Monica. He's always telling me how bad the traffic is. Well, Tom, from your apartment, take a right onto Lincoln Boulevard, and keep driving for 104 hours. I'm not going to tell you where you'll end up, but I think you'll really like Bogota, Colombia. Within dense urban environments, collective and shared transport modes, along with bikes and walking, are the most efficient forms of mobility. But people will only use these types of transport if they're easy, fast, and affordable. So we need to adapt our cities so that walking cycling or public transport is feasible and cost-effective for commuters. Improving the attractiveness of public transport will increase use and it'll make it easier to finance. If we design our cities well, using public transport should get even easier. We already have immediate access to public transport data on our phones through apps that tell us whether a bus, a metro or a tram is the fastest way to get to our destination. Shared transport services, like shared bikes, electric scooters, small motorcycles and cars, have appeared on our, on our streets. The challenge will be to develop these services so that they're a help and not a hindrance, so that they don't block sidewalks or run into pedestrians. We need to ensure that these new services don't cannibalize public transport and that they are safe. But our bus is coming to the end of the line. In a moment, I, as the driver, am going to kick you off the bus and go and have a nap on the back seat. So it's time to give you the top four things you can do right now to make urban transport cleaner and fight climate change. Nicola, are you ready? Start revving the electric bus. Here we go. That doesn't sound like a very exciting noise. Let's just forget it. Let's just do the list. Number four, think about your daily transport choices, including where you choose to live. Are there ways to get around without taking your car? Number three, figure in the cost of parking and insurance before purchasing a car. Is it really worth it? Can you just use a car sharing service instead? Number two, walk and cycle. Number one, and this is the one that no one wants to confront. It's fine to say, okay, I'll bike to work, but what about this one? Think about whether you really need to travel to that meeting, especially if you have to take a plane. That's our episode for the research. I want to thank European Investment Bank experts Neil Valentine, Marin Martins, and Birgit Kuhlen. Subscribe to Climate Solutions, and you'll learn what you should do to fight climate change in your town, your city, your home, even on your digital devices. Right now, go and use the tips in this episode to start saving the climate, and listen to our other episodes to do the job right. I'll be back with Nicola, the Climate Croat. Bye-bye. Next time on Climate Solutions from the European Investment Bank, the EU Climate Bank. (music) 